Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by EducateForLife.org. This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tide and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We are on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. And on this show, what we're doing is examining current events, politics, and pop culture in light of a biblical worldview. The way we view reality affects the way we live. Reality is essentially the way things really are. And we want to be able to see clearly so that we don't crash. If what we see isn't what is real, then we're ultimately going to end up in a position or a place we didn't expect to. Now, today is Easter Sunday, April 5th. Millions of people around the world are celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the most important figures in history. H.G. Wells, British author and historian, said this about Jesus. He said, I am a historian. I am not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that the penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. On the show with me today, I have two guests. One is a believer, Sean McDowell, Dr. Sean McDowell, a professor at Biola University and a author of numerous books, and uh, also the son of the famous Josh McDowell. And uh, we're very glad to have him. Thanks for being on the show today, Sean. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been been looking forward to it. Absolutely. And the other is a non-believer, um, Sean Taylor. We're going to call him Taylor today just to differentiate between the two Seans. And I thought it would be interesting as we discuss the evidence for the historical Jesus to have someone who has not been conven- convinced that the Jesus of the Bible is the true Jesus on the show. Uh, Taylor, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and be with us. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. So, um, Taylor, uh, whenever you feel like it, as Sean McDowell is, we're discussing these issues, whenever you feel like, uh, you know, addressing a question or seeing something that you feel uh, isn't clarified, um, please feel free to speak up at any time. Uh, this is not a debate. Sean Taylor is coming from the angle of someone who has not yet heard the evidence for the historical Jesus. But before we get into that, um, I wanted to give you guys a chance to give us a little bit of your background. And um, Sean McDowell, uh, how did you come to be in the position you are as far as, um, you know, talking about Jesus Christ, uh, persuading others who don't know about Jesus Christ, about who he is, teaching about the resurrection, eventually becoming a professor uh, at Biola? How did you arrive where you're at today? Sure. I did grow up in a Christian home. As you, you mentioned, my father, Josh McDowell, will likely be recognizable by a, a number of our audience. Mm-hmm. So my dad's been writing books, debating, speaking on Christianity from before the time I was born. And I grew up just believing it, assuming it was true and never really questioning it. I guess in college around 19 years old, which is typical, I think, for anybody, you start asking the bigger questions like, do I really believe this? Am I just believing what my parents told me? Yeah. I started to really wrestle kind of with both sides and read different religious texts, read 
a number of skeptics that are well-known today and atheists. And I actually even told my dad, I said, Dad, you know, you've raised me in the faith, but I'm not sure I really believe this is true. I need to work this out and know for myself. And that was a great conversation with my daddy. He just encouraged me. He said, son, you just got to follow the truth where wherever it leads. And you can't believe stuff just because your mom and I believe it. So he really freed me up and encouraged me to seek after truth. And obviously, to make a long story short, here I am at Biola teaching apologetics and writing on historically just historical Jesus issues. So I've come to believe that Christianity is true and Jesus really did rise from the grave. Okay, thank you for sharing that. And then, uh, Sean Taylor, um, how about yourself? What, what's your background? Where? How did you grow up? Um, can you share that, that yeah. with us? Yeah, um, I grew up in a non-religious home. Um, I, I didn't know the word, the you know, the, the evil A word, the atheist. <laughs> my, my parents weren't um, out atheists or uh, anything like that. Sure, they um, weren't they just, hostile to religion or anything. It, right, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go to church, you know, other than, uh, you know, typical fa- family events, weddings and funerals. Um, we didn't have a Bible in the house and uh, discussed it as much as we would discuss anything else. Um and uh, I was actually baptized Catholic. Uh, that was more for for uh, the family mm-hmm. on on my mom's side. They wanted to make sure all the kids were baptized. Um, so I was baptized Catholic, but that's that's about as far as as I went uh, with with the family as as far as church is concerned. Um, after that, in high school, I ended up working for a Christian organization. Went around uh, listening to a lot of sermons with them. And um, I also went to, during the same time in high school, I went to a seminary school with the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. Okay. Um, my best friend uh, is, was and still is a Mormon, and, uh, and so I just, I just was always hanging out with him and went along with him to, to seminary school as well. So I certainly had a lot of uh, religious training and experiences uh, in my life, but I was never, never religious myself. Okay. And, and now was there a point in time where you came to, to kind of make a concrete decision? Uh, I think my position is, you know, atheism or agnosticism. Yeah, certainly. Well, um, I, I consider myself both of those. Um, and you know, everyone defines these things differently as, as far as I understand the terms to be agnosticism, Gnosticism, these are a matter of knowledge. Okay. Um, I don't have absolute knowledge uh, that there is or is not a God of any sort. Um, so I, I consider myself agnostic on that point. As far as atheism or theism, these are a matter of belief. I don't currently hold and, and in fact, have never held an active belief that there is any particular God out there. Okay. Um, so I, I do consider myself to be an atheist as well. Okay. And then uh, regarding Jesus, uh, Taylor, do you... Do you have a strong opinion? My understanding is you don't have a strong opinion one way or the other um, regarding him. Is that no. is that correct? Yeah, as, as far as a um, the uh, you know the physical earthly being, uh, you know, uh, a guy named uh, I think it would have been Yeshua at the time. Sure. Uh, no, yeah, I, I I have not I have not done any any proper studying on on whether or not there was a historical Jesus. Um, much less, me, much less a resurrection. Yeah. What's that? Much less a resurrection or something like that, right? Supernatural events. Right. Yeah. Yeah. From my position, it um, it doesn't. You know, I, I would 
definitely like to know if there if there was a god um if there was or was not a, a historical you know guy running around um that gave a foundation to a lot of the stories that we find in the bible regarding jesus um that just hasn't been much of you know a sticking point one way or the other for me so so uh sean mcdowell why don't we start there um because what, what I want to talk about, obviously, it's Easter. We're, we're celebrating the resurrection. Um, what, what do you, how would you respond to somebody who says, well, I'm not even sure if Jesus was a real person. What is the, what is the evidence for the, you know, is there hard evidence, historical evidence for Jesus as a real person? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great place to start. There are a handful of people who doubt the existence of the historical Jesus. As far as being scholars at major universities, I mean, you could probably count them on one hand. Now, I'm not inferring that truth is determined by numbers by any sense, but it is a position all across the left or the right from the far ends of both that Jesus was at least a historical person. And that's for a few reasons. Number one is the New Testament documents themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we all know are written within the first century. And we could talk about this, but I think there's good reason to trust them as historical, reliable documents. You also have early church fathers outside of the New Testament documents, people like Ignatius in the first century. You have people like Clement of Rome, and then early into the second century. And there's also a host of non-Christian writers that start towards the end of the first century into the second century, like Josephus and Tacitus. So even scholars like uh, John Dominic Crossan, who's kind of one of the more liberal of the, the Jesus seminar, so to speak, who's a brilliant scholar, he would say that, you know, we know with just confidence, even if no biblical records existed, that there at least was a historical person named Jesus because of the writings of Tacitus and Josephus. So when you look at Jesus as a historical person, there's just such a wide range of Jewish, Christian, Christian, um, I'm sorry, Christian, biblical, and then outside of the Bible, these kind of writings that at least affirm in general outline his existence. So I think the case, at least compelling for starting point, is that Jesus was a real person. Okay. And, and what do you think of that, uh, Taylor? Does that uh, make sense, what he's saying, what the, the point he's making here? Sure, yeah. There's there's one thing that's um, always given me pause. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, consensus is certainly not truth. Um, but and and I think it is true that there's a, a, a large consensus in the field of biblical research and history that that Jesus was a real person. Um, though this is an interesting field. Obviously, it's made up mostly of believers in the same book that they're studying, and uh, so that that's where consensus where usually would you know because I'm not a biblical historian. Um, I'm I'm not a biblical scholar at all. I'm not a historian at all. Um, so I would just tend to trust the skeptics. This is an interesting one. Um, one, because most of the people in the field are believers themselves in, in exactly what they're studying. The other thing is everything that people believe regarding, you know, the, the general population believes regarding Jesus, um, uh, the Christ figure, none of that seems to match what any of these believing scholars will say, you know, because they, they don't accept the miracles from a historical standpoint. Okay. So you're um, talking that, about, you're talking about, um, Dominic Crossan, uh, who McDowell just referenced. Does he actually believe in the miracles also, uh, Sean, or is he, 
he lie out. He, he just says he's a real person, but he doesn't believe in the miracles. Well, Dominic Crossan is just one example. He believes with, about his historical existence, but he does not accept the miraculous claims of Christ. So our starting point was just that Jesus existed historically, and I'm simply making the point that across the spectrum, and you're, I think you're right, Taylor, that probably the most, I mean, I haven't done a statistical study of exactly the beliefs of historical Jesus scholars, and certainly people are drawn to the New Testament and to study Jesus because many of them are believers. But there's quite a few. I mean, numbers in people like Bart Ehrman and, you know, obviously John Dominic Cross and across the wide range of theological and philosophical persuasions that believe that Jesus existed. Well, this is this is a very interesting uh, discussion so far. And um, for our audience out there, I hope that you are uh, enjoying it. And I think it's just going to get better and better here. So we'll be right back. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at AM 1170, TheAnswer.com. I'm here with my guests, Dr. Sean McDowell and Sean Taylor, and uh, both coming from different perspectives, uh, different upbringings. And um, what we're both after here really is the truth. Well, we want to know uh, what is the truth about Jesus Christ? Who was he as a person? Did he really uh, live for around 33 years and then... Uh, die on a cross and then rise from the dead. Uh, there's all kinds of opinions out there, but uh, one thing people don't argue about is his influence on the world. I have a quote here from Albert Einstein. He said, I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of phrase mongers, however artful. He was also asked the question, do you accept the historical existence of Jesus? To which he replied, unquestionably, no man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. Theseus and other heroes of his type lack the authentic vitality of Jesus. And uh, that's a pretty amazing statement there made by uh, somebody who's not a biblical expert. He's not a theologian. He's not a historian. Um, he's very respected for his, his uh, scientific achievements. Um, but all over the world, you can get quotes like this about Jesus Christ, uh, different people's attitudes towards him. And uh, it doesn't seem that anybody denies he's had such a radical influence on the world. So we were just talking about uh, the fact that... Um, uh, Sean McDowell is, is explained to us that the majority of scholars uh, believe that Jesus Christ was a real person. Uh, we've, we haven't gotten to the resurrection yet. And then um, Sean Taylor made a point that the majority of scholars are people who are uh, Bible-believing Christians, and so therefore they have kind of a bias towards believing in the histor historicity of Jesus. Um, why don't we pick up there again, uh, Sean McDowell, would you like to continue on that uh, line of discussion? Sure, yeah, the key is definitely, as Taylor points out, that the majority of scholars probably do believe in Jesus and are, and are drawn to study the New Testament because of that. But there's a wide range of scholars who are not already believing in Jesus, who accept his historicity. I mean, you look at most universities across the country, you won't find evangelical Christians 
hosting these New Testament studies or historical Jesus departments. You have a lot of agnostics. There's some atheists. There's some people that are just very nominally Christian. So the wide range of scholars believe that Jesus existed. But I'd also say there are certain scholars like Mike Lacona, who is a Christian, but in his historiographical approach to Jesus, he is painfully thorough and incredibly skeptical on accepting any claims that can't be corroborated. So I think there are some Christians that just believe because that's how they were raised and they're supposed to believe it. But there are some very careful and thoughtful and rigorous scholars like Mike Lacona and N.T. Wright and Gary Habermas that really demand a high level of kind of credibility, even believe in the historical Jesus and some of the other claims around the resurrection. Okay. Uh, any thoughts regarding that, uh, Taylor? Oh, no, no. I um, I agree. There's certainly a wide range of uh, theological positions uh, within the scholarly field of, of Jesus studies as, as far as as far as I know, and, and I, I again, I, I don't know much. And I think this is just the position that I'm coming from because you know I, I got to repeat, I'm I, I haven't I haven't studied this. I, I yeah. don't know a lot of the names you're mentioning. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know some of them. Um, from from my position, if there was, you know, a real a, a real uh, person walking around by the name of, of Yeshua, and um, saying some things or or not um doing some things or not what we find in the bible is you know a lot of miraculous claims and and this is what people think of when they think of jesus you know they don't they don't think of just some some normal guy with maybe one or two good lines absolutely um, yeah. that that people heard you know they they think of the miraculous claims and so you know if if we did have some concrete evidence um that there was a guy I don't. I don't know that that would mean anything to me from from my position. Of course, it would be important to a believer. Um, and if we were to find that there there was no guy, I don't know how you could do that. But uh, if, if we were to find that there was no guy, that would certainly also be important to a believer. Either way, it really wouldn't matter from the position that I'm at at this time. Um, because what, so what, I think that's so, so Taylor. Because uh, what you're saying is because whether he existed or not is not really. Uh, the key point for you, um, because right. I mean, certainly, if he did not exist, well, that would just throw everything else out after that. Sure. But, um, but if he does, you know, if there was a real guy that this that these stories um, were founded on, that yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't get me to to the miracles, obviously. Yeah. Um, or or any of the divine nature of of Jesus himself. Now, you know if. Just as an example, if um, if when I die, you know, I, I happen to be a, a guitar player, and no one no one really knows that because I'm I'm not very good at it. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not on any albums, and I'm never I'm never going to be you know in concert. Um, but if after I die, for some reason, people talked about what a great drummer I was, and and how you know I ended up doing a, um, a studio session with the Rolling Stones or you know whoever, and these stories kind of built around me as this amazing drummer. And, you know, centuries later, people spoke about this, uh, this incredible mythical drummer, uh, you know, Sean Taylor, that just has no connection to me in any way. And so if someone was able to prove that there really was a Sean Taylor, that just doesn't get to. So what you're saying is they've, they've also got to, they've also got to be able to make that connection between 
Sean Taylor, the person, and also Sean Taylor, the drummer, the amazing drummer, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, in Jesus' case, it, I mean, I would, I would relax that a bit. I mean, just if I could just see that the miracles are even possible, yeah. I don't even need to see that there was a guy. Um, you know, I'm I'm paying more attention to if the if the miracles are possible. You know, without illusion trickery. Sure. I so, mean, you know, there's plenty of people that can turn water into wine, but um, it's you know illusion. So, Sean, um, you are a committed believer in Jesus Christ. You believe that he died, uh, he rose from the dead, he paid for the sins of the world, that if somebody uh, confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, that they're going to have eternal life. Um, what's taken you from the idea that he's simply a historical person to the to the idea that he actually rose from the dead and is this, is this uh, you know, he's actually God in the flesh? Taylor, I think you completely hit on it in the sense that there's a real worldview issue going on here, that if we believe miracles are not possible, then of course we know Jesus didn't rise from the grave. If we believe miracles are possible, then at least it's an open question. So we've mentioned the name Crossan a couple times. He had a debate with William Lane Craig a few years ago, and they wrote a book out of it. And interestingly, as Craig pressed them back, they realized that they agreed on a lot of the historical facts, but they disagreed about the conclusions of the resurrection. And Crossan said essentially that he's a naturalist, that there's not a God, God doesn't intervene in the world. So he's kind of ruled out the resurrection before he looks at the historical data itself. So I, I think the question you raised about the possibility of miracles gets at the heart of it. Now, because I believe that God exists, I think that miracles are possible. And I think the evidence for some kind of mind in the universe, whether it's scientifically or philosophically or through objective morality, makes that possibility even greater. But when we consider this as a historical fact, I don't even think we have to prove that God exists. If we want to look at this historically, it just has to be possible that God exists. And if it's possible, then that God could do miracles. I actually think someone would have sure. to know that it's impossible for God to exist before miracles could at least be possible. And of course, being possible doesn't mean they happen, but at least being willing to follow the evidence where they would lead. So I think you're right. It brings us back to the heart of our worldview and whether or not there's a God and whether the evidence proves there's a God. And that would shape the likelihood that Jesus was resurrected from, from the dead. Right. Just just to be clear, I'm I don't think that um I'm not at the position that miracles are impossible. Okay. Uh, uh so necessarily. I mean, uh, I I don't I don't know of any um I I have no evidence of any, you know, real miracle. Um I mean, every single miracle that's ever been claimed that we've that we've been able to study has always been found to be, you know, not a miracle. Um it was it was either a mistake or a hoax or something else, you know, it's something something natural for one reason or another. Now, um, uh, Taylor, you, you said that um, you're not of the position that miracles are impossible, but what you're, what you're right. saying is I just don't have a lot of evidence that they are possible. Yeah, if, if we could find that miracles are possible, um, well, now, now, I'm, now I'm listening much more attentively, and I, you know, I want to know if, if Jesus was, was really one of these miracle workers or, or if, or if uh, someone else was. Um, and if, if if we could show that God exists, that there is a God, not just possible, you know, I mean, anything's possible in, in that sense. But if there is a God, well, then I would also assume that miracles are possible. So either way, yeah, if you show me miracles, I, you know, I'm I'm thinking probably 
there's there's a supernatural realm of some sort, whether it be you know one god or many or or something like that. Um, and if you show me God, well, certainly I think miracles could follow from that. Mm. So, Sean McDowell, um, you said that uh, that's what's necessary, is that he's open to that possibility um, that miracles uh, are possible. Uh, how would you respond there? You know, it's interesting. I'm holding in my hand a two-volume set by Craig Keener, who's probably one of the leading New Testament scholars in the world. And he is, he is a Christian, a little bit I'd say he's a conservative Christian. He's also Pentecostal, just to give you a fair sense of his background. And in these two-volume sets, I mean, with, with Baker Publishing, each one is about 600 pages in length. It is the most exhaustive, careful analysis of miracles that I have ever seen before. And oh, can, goes, you repeat, can you repeat the uh, title for our uh, audience? Yeah, the title is simply called Miracles. That's it. Pretty easy to remember. Oh, yeah. Miracles. And the last name is Keener, K-E-E-N-E-R. And it's a scholarly volume. It's not a popular one that you just sit down and read through in a couple hours. Yeah. And I've actually been reading through this over the past couple weeks, and it's incredible to me. He actually says that there's hundreds of millions, if not tens of millions, if you want to be conservative, of Christians alive today who not only believe in miracles— but claim that they have seen and experienced the supernatural firsthand. Now, I will say, wow. when I look at this... Sean, book, Sean, let me interrupt you here real quick. That's a, This is great, great stuff. Um, we are going to have to take another break here. I'm with Sean McDowell and Sean Taylor. We're going to pick up right where we left off. Very, very interesting conversation. This is AM 1170. You're on Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. We'll be right back. Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Maine and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. I have two special guests on the show with me today. That's Dr. Sean McDowell, who is a uh, Bible-believing Christian, and we have Sean Taylor uh, from the San Diego Humanist uh, Association. And um, we're just having a discussion here, a real uh, nice discussion and around Easter and when all these big issues come up. I want to start us off on our, on our third segment here with a, another quote. This quote is by C.S. Lewis, very well-known scholar and author. He said something very interesting about Jesus Christ. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And that's coming from um, somebody who was an atheist at one time in his life and then slowly uh, changed to a theist and eventually to a Christian theist uh, and then wrote uh, many, many books on the subject. But what we're dealing with right now is the issue of miracles, and we've talked about the fact that our premise, and that is whether God exists or does not exist, really has a, a huge factor um, in whether we believe that Jesus Christ did the miracles and rose from the dead or not. But I'm sorry I cut you off uh, in the, on the last uh, segment there, 
uh, Sean McDowell, and I wanted to uh, just give you a chance to finish up on those miracles that you were talking about. Yeah, you got it. I think when we're approaching the question of the historical resurrection of Jesus, one way is just to say if miracles are possible, let's go ahead and look at the historical data and see if this is true. And since, you know, Taylor said they're at least possible, he doesn't say miracles are impossible, we could jump in and actually look at that data. But one thing I was talking about, which I just find fascinating, is this two-volume set called Miracles by Keener. And again, he is a brilliant leading New Testament scholar, and he walks through and goes and interviews the sources. He looks at citations and just meticulously documents them from countries all around the world, Asia, India, America, the Philippines. And the kind, really what he shows is the kinds of miracle claims that we see happening in the New Testament are occurring today, and we have good reason to believe they're true. Now, I'm going to sit, let me just jump in and say I'm a skeptic, even though I'm a Christian, I'm just skeptical about any claims that I hear. So I'm reading this going, ah, I don't know about this one. I don't know about that one. I'm not sure. But the, the reality is, out of all these claims, I've even met people. I mean, I have friends in person who I've met who have seen the miraculous with their own eyes. So I find just experientially, as well as doc- documented, especially in Keener's volume and others, that there is good reason to believe that miracles are not only possible, but are still continuing today. Hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, you, you, I often hear people say, uh, Christians say, hey, why don't we see the Bible, the miracles that we see in the Bible happening in our lives today? But what you're saying is that that actually is happening. And, uh, and of course, the miracles that were happening around Christ's time were also for a purpose. Uh, he, was, he, he was doing those miracles to say, uh, I am the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. I am the one that you've been waiting for. So, um, very interesting. So, so your view that God exists has ultimately given you the confidence to be able to say that the resurrection actually happened. Um, do you have any logical or historical reason to believe that the resurrection happened, uh, Sean McDowell? Yes, I don't believe the resurrection happened just because I think God exists. But the, I think the scientific and philosophical evidence for God makes it plausible for me so I'm willing to follow the evidence for the resurrection. If I thought the miracle claims in Mormonism were true, I would be willing to follow those, or Islam. But I'm persuaded that the evidence for the resurrection is unique. So different scholars, a guy by the name of Gary Habermas has been studying every source he can get his hands on. I think it's over 3,000 sources related to historical Jesus studies since 1975, books, journal articles, etc., And he says there's a few basic facts that all historians or the vast majority of historians agree are true. And then the question becomes what inference or explanation best accounts for these facts. So the facts are, number one, that we know Jesus died on the cross. Um, Two, we have an empty tomb. Three, that he appears uh, to many skeptics and non-believers including Paul, the vast majority of scholars accept the appearance to Paul, who is persecuting Christians. And then last, just the transformation of some of the apostles themselves into believers willing to die for their belief that they'd seen the risen Jesus. Now, he actually lays out 12 facts, but those are the some ones that, that stand out to me, that we have this guy, Jesus, who lived. We know with powerful historical evidence he died. We have an empty tomb, and there's multiple lines of reasoning pointing towards that. And then we have both believers and non-believers who claim to have seen the risen Jesus shortly thereafter 
and that are willing to go to their graves for it. So that's kind of the outline of a basic case that could be made, historically speaking, for the resurrection. Now, we could flush some of those out, but that outline itself, I think, is quite compelling to, to take the claims of Jesus seriously. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of questions going through Taylor's mind right now, or questions he, he wants to ask as far as that's concerned, but, um, and I'm going to give Taylor a chance to, to do that, but I wanted to ask, um, so you're saying, uh, Dr. McDowell, that that the evidence here persuades you to believe that he actually rose from the dead, and I, I know I've heard people say different things about, well, aren't there other scenarios that could have happened in order to justify the claim that he rose from the dead? Uh, we've heard things like, um, the disciples hid the body or stole the body. Uh, we've heard things like they really wanted to believe so badly that, um, you know, maybe they hallucinated, uh, other things like this. But Taylor, along those same lines, uh, are there any questions that pop into your mind that, that as a skeptic, you go, well, you know, what about this or what about that? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot. Um, I, I know, I mean, you mentioned Bart Ehrman. He's one of the scholars that I, I know. Um, and he's one that, that I, I first heard speak on this subject. I mean, if you read the Gospels together, um, you know, not not in order as you would find in, in any book, um, but you, you read them together side by side, and you look at their accounts, I mean, they're all completely different when it comes to his, Jesus' death and resurrection, who saw him, who didn't see him, um, when he died, uh, when when he resurrected, um, who who was there, who saw him, they're all completely different. They're all conflicting accounts. Um, and further than this, I mean, I, I just tend to have some questions on his tomb in the first place. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, we know his tomb was empty. Well, I, I don't know that we know there was a tomb at all. And I, um, again, I'm, I'm not a historian, but as, as far as I can tell, I don't know that a, a poor... Um, crucified Jewish man would have been given a tomb. I don't know that that's ever been the case. Um, well, let's give, uh, I, let, let's give, uh, before we tackle too many issues at yeah, once, yeah. let's give uh, Sean a chance to answer those questions. So the two questions were, um, you know, accounts. Yeah, differing yeah. accounts, and then would we find a tomb at all? Or would he have had a tomb? I think it's interesting when we look at the case of Airman. He explicitly says that the heart of his rejection of the Christian faith is the problem of evil. That's what it stems from, not so much these biblical questions. So I think we're back again to a worldview issue that's shaping how he understands and interprets the documents. I would actually say I'm not sure I would totally agree that the gospel accounts are entirely different. I think the core story is essentially the same that the person of Jesus existed, that he did miracles, the reasons why he was crucified, that he was buried, that there was at least an angel at the tomb, that he rose, he appeared, and that he ascended. The basic story is the same, but we do find some differences on some of the secondary details. And to me, that tells us that they weren't actually just copying each other and invented, because they would make sure when witnesses get together, they make sure their stories line up on all the particulars, but we see some of these secondary details not fully green. Now, it doesn't mean they contradict. That's a very different thing. But we see some differences um, in the accounts, which we expect typically when we have any historical account that a journalist records or a police officer does. So I think the story is essentially the same. But the case that I'm, I'm actually pointing towards in terms of the, that Habermas makes 
does not depend upon all of the Gospels in their, in their entirety being true. Now, I believe that because I'm a Christian, but it actually takes what's called a, a minimal facts approach, where you and I can look at a historical document, and we can ascertain certain truths from that document, even if not everything in that document is entirely true. Now, what historians do, they'll look at like the death in the empty tomb, and they find certain facts surrounding this. For example, with the empty tomb, that it's discovered by women. I mean, in that culture, for women to testify in a court of law was, it was unheard of, and typically they were not allowed to because they were not educated like a man. It was a patriarchal culture. So if the Gospels are making up this story of an empty tomb, it would be counterproductive for them to invent women discovering the empty tomb. So as historians, we look at that, and it meets what's called the criterion of embarrassment. So regardless of the number of angels at the tomb or exactly what time Jesus died, we can look at that amongst other reasons and go, okay, wait a minute. That's a compelling reason to believe that the tomb is empty. Now, as far as Jesus being buried, one of the interesting facts is you're right, Jesus was poor, but he was actually buried by Joseph of Arimathea, who was a member of the Sanhedrin. And interestingly, if Jesus was condemned by the Sanhedrin, why would the early apostles make up a story that the very party who condemned him, a, in other words, that there's a heroic person from the party that condemns Jesus, to give him an honorable burial. Uh, that's, that's very interesting uh, uh, stuff here. So we got to come up at another break here, and we're a little bit over. So we'll be right back. We're on AM 1170, The Answer. Uh, this is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover and my guests, Sean McDowell and Sean Taylor. We'll be right back. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Main and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Welcome back to Educate for Life. This is Kevin Conover, your host. We're on AM 1170, The Answer. You can also stream this show live on am1170theanswer.com. We're here with Dr. Sean McDowell. We're talking about the resurrection of Christ and Christ as a person, as a historical figure. And we're also here with Sean Taylor, who is um, our, our, uh, giving us some pushback, giving us some uh, skeptical questions. Uh, he's from the San Diego Humanist Society Association and uh, been a blessing to have both you guys on the show with us today. Uh, I think it's been a real a great conversation. But I wanted to let uh, Sean McDowell, you finish up your thoughts from the last segment there. Yeah, basically what we've talked about is that there's good reason to believe Jesus existed as a historical person from the Bible, from non-Christian writers. We have good reason to believe Jesus died, whether it's medical evidence, whether it's all four Gospels, other non-Christian writers like Josephus and Tacitus. But then we come across this strange fact of an empty tomb. We have women discovering the empty tomb, which is just counterproductive if the apostles were making it up. We also have the tomb beginning, beginning in Jerusalem, the very city where Jesus was crucified, in a known public tomb, and the body could not be demonstrated to show that this was false. And then we have these appearances of Jesus showing up certainly to groups of believers like the 500, which 1 Corinthians 15 reports. We have him appearing to the apostles, but we also have him appearing to skeptics, people like Thomas. 
people like James, the brother of Jesus, who did not believe in Jesus during his lifetime. And then, of course, the account of the appearance to Saul. And what's interesting is the majority of scholars from, from the far left to the far right accept these basic facts that I've laid out. The subsequent question then becomes, which explanation accounts for it? Is it that Jesus really rose from the grave, or is there another explanation that better accounts for it? And I just find the apostles' testimony compelling because they were willing to suffer and die for their belief that they had seen the risen Jesus. Now, um, t- uh, I wanted to point out Taylor's question from before, and that is, he said, well, what, what evidence do we have that he was even put in a tomb other than you said uh, Joseph of Arimathea, but uh, how do we know he wasn't just you know, thrown into some mass grave or something like that. Um, why would we think this guy who owned no possessions, had nothing, would be given, you know, even a tomb? And, and do we, can we actually identify this tomb today? Does that actually exist? Well, there's two key reasons. Number one, there's no other competing burial tradition anywhere amongst believers or non-believers until centuries, centuries later. Second, again, the burial by Joseph of Arimathea is not the kind of story which would be invented. It makes no sense that they would invent somebody like Joseph of Arimathea, who is a member of the very council that condemned Jesus to death, to put him into a, a tomb and give him an honorable burial. So that's why, the, I mean, most scholars will accept that he was actually buried. And Crossan argues he was thrown in a shallow grave. He gives no evidence for that. Certainly that's possible, but I would also say, what historical evidence do we have that that actually happened to Jesus? And I don't think there is any that I'm aware of. Okay, I see what you're saying. And Taylor, did you want to ask any other questions in regards to that or anything? Um, well, sure, lots. But uh, <laughs> um, to, <laughs> it, it, maybe we should um, move on to his, his other thing. You brought up the different people that, in different Gospels that um, it's written that, you know, 500 witness, for instance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we... We do have one anonymous author writing that there were 500 witnesses. We don't have 500 eyewitness accounts. We don't have one eyewitness account. So, you know, when it when it comes to what the Bible says, what different Gospels say as far as who witnessed, I mean, it's just one anonymous person writing that the, you know, skeptics witnessed it. Um, 500 people witnessed it. Um, you know, and so that... That's, I think I made my point clear on that. That's that's how much that means to me. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that doesn't that doesn't help a lot for you, right? Well, what do you? How do you respond to that, uh, Sean McDowell? Well, part of my point is listing all the different kinds of appearance claims that we have in the Gospels. We have appearance claims by Paul, and the 500. You're absolutely right. Taylor's mentioned only in First Corinthians by Paul. I'm not sure it's completely anonymous in the sense that somebody just made it up. I mean, Paul, if you read carefully what he's saying, he gives the appearance of saying, look, we know he appeared to the 500 to his audience, written within two decades, roughly, of the death of Jesus, and kind of with the attitude, if you don't believe me, go check it out. Now, historically, in terms of the fundamental facts that we know, we do know most scholars accept the appearance to Paul, and most scholars, at least that Paul believed he was appeared to by Jesus, And most scholars accept that James, who was a skeptic and didn't believe in Jesus, also had an appearance of him. So I think we do have a couple skeptics who give their own account of the appearances of Jesus. 
that are are quite compelling to me. I see. And you know what I what I find interesting here is um this is this is very interesting. You we keep coming back to this thing that it kind of depends on whether your premise uh, is that God exists, that the supernatural can happen, or whether that uh, everything is purely naturalistic and God does not exist and these things can't happen. Um, you you made that point. When you're talking about this, uh, Sean McDowell, would you say that a, a better starting point than dealing with the resurrection of Christ is actually dealing with God's existence um, first? Is that how you would approach that? You know what? Not always. I think the evidence for itself, if Jesus rose from the grave it follows that, in fact, God existed. So for, for some people who want to think this through very methodically and very carefully and don't have even the possibility of miracles, then we can look at the evidence from DNA, the fine-tuning of the universe, uh, the origin of consciousness, and, you know, these kind, of, these kind of scientific philosophical facts that point towards God. But I know many people who have just looked at the evidence of Jesus and, number one, just read, like, the Gospel of John, and been compelled by the character and the person of Jesus, his goodness, his life, his teachings, and then considered the evidence and ended up becoming a Christian. So I think you even look at Jesus. He ministered to people very differently. Yeah. So I think we need to tailor our discussion to the genuine questions that somebody's really asking. Yeah, I had a student. Um, I was having a discussion with him. He had he had just come over from China. He was an international student, and we were having a discussion. I asked him if he if he, what he thought about Jesus Christ. And he said something really interesting to me. He said, he said, I really love Jesus Christ. And I said, Oh, so you've, you've accepted Christ as your savior. And he said, no, no, I haven't. He said, I really love his personality. I love who he is. And, uh, so that speaks to what you're saying there, that a lot of times reading about the life of Christ, seeing who he is, is very influential. And a person can be moving in that direction just by, by studying Christ and who he is. Um, without necessarily having that uh, concrete evidence that other people require. Yeah, I think that's right. Taylor, I'd love to know what you, you think about this. You can weigh in here. As far as the personality of the Christ figure? Yeah, or even just the you know my response to the point before about the appearances of Jesus and their willingness to, to suffer and die for their belief that they had, they had seen him alive. Yeah, well, I mean, again, these are, you know, stories written by Paul or, or someone on the gospel writer. Um, but, I mean, people have been willing to die for a great number of things uh, in, in recent times for, for Christ-like figures, in, in, including. Um, so, uh, I mean, because someone was willing to die for it doesn't mean, you know, that he resurrected or that or, or anything. Um, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of cult leaders that we've had in recent, in recent memorable times that you can still see YouTube videos of, of their, of their congregants that believed that they were miracle workers, believed that they were the second coming of Christ and, and this sort of thing. And I don't think you guys believe that, that they were, um, you know, Taylor, can, uh, I jump, again. can I, can I jump in here? I, I, oh, totally, please. I totally agree with you. I don't think it's true because they died for it, all that shows is the sincerity of their claims. And the difference is, these apostles, if I die for my belief, it only shows, man, Sean really believed that Christian story, but I didn't see Jesus risen from the grave. I'm only testifying to something I've received secondhand. The apostles are eyewitnesses. 
And they were all willing to suffer and die. And I think we can document historically that many of them actually did. So all that gets to is the depth of their sincerity that they had seen Jesus alive. And I think that separates it from a lot of people who die for, say, a good cause. Uh, well, you know, things can be said about that. But uh, again, these are, you know, we're still talking about stories that other people wrote uh, about these people. Um, you know, we we don't have we don't have any of these disciples writing in their time that, you know, that, well, it would be pretty difficult to write that they died for this, but (laughs) you see my point. Um, You know, it's it's people writing things down, you know, decades later, uh, um, anonymously about someone else. And it seems to me with, with plenty of good motives to, to be fooled, to, to lie, to, you know, there's there's a great number of reasons where where they could have done it. Um, just trying to write a story that other people have been telling, uh, whether they believe it or or how they feel about it or not. Um, uh, Taylor makes a lot of good points here. I think we're just about out of time here. I want to thank you guys before we're off the air here for being on the show. Thank you very much, Sean McDowell and Sean Taylor for being here. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, hey, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, this is a challenge. I think uh, for us to really know. Um, why we believe and what we believe. And um, that's awesome. I want to end with this quote from U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. It is not irrational to accept the testimony of eyewitnesses who had nothing to lo- to, to gain. The worldly wise do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So everything from Easter morning to the ascension had to be made up by the groveling enthusiasts as part of their plan to get themselves martyred. That's a pretty powerful statement. Um, we're going to close out here. You're on AM 1170. The answer we'll be picking up next week. Um, with a lot more to discuss and uh, interesting discussions. This is Kevin Conover with Educate for Life. We'll see you next week. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170. The answer. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You Educate for Life on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by educateforlife.org.